body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Made possible by Envy Pillow. It's a Canadian-designed ergonomic pillow that cradles your face and aligns your spine and was created by Kathy and Kim, two registered nurses, with your health and the planet in mind. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. Tonight, we're going to take you to a far-off land of princes and maidens, swans and a demon and yes of happily ever after before we embark take this moment to thank yourself for being here with me you're giving yourself a gift of gentle escape of gliding into sleep after a day filled with the demands that you and others put on yourself so just breathe take a deep inhale And exhale. And as you do so again, say these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. As you nestle in and find just the right spot in your warm bed, feel your head resting heavily on your pillow. We shall go to the Lake of Swans, reimagined here, by Ava MacArthur. And if you're ready, let's drift. The garden was lined with every flower imaginable. Their delicate petals peeked out of leafy bushes in bursts of vibrant color. In bundles, royals and aristocrats mingled with one another, walking the trails of the bountiful botanical all while admiring the flower blossoms. A string quartet dressed in long black tailcoats sat with their backs against perfectly trimmed hedges. Facing them was the beloved rosebush of the palace garden. The musicians picked and plucked their instruments, playing bright, melodious songs for all the royal guests to hear. Everyone was dressed in his or her fanciest attire. Elegant women held their hair in tight curls on top of their heads as swirly tendrils peeked out from under their big-brimmed hats, parasols perched on their shoulders as added accessories. Each dress was made to fit its maiden. Soft fabrics hung off these women, complimenting each girl as if she were a flower in this garden. And each lady purposely wore pastel colors to match the natural spring aura. All were varying shades of creamy yellows, mint greens, baby blues, soft pinks, and lilac purples. Naturally, those of true royal blood were even more extravagant. Everything about them was simply grander. Their hats, hair, 
umbrellas, dresses, jewelry, and of course, they all had what the other lesser status women envied, sparkly tiaras to signify their royal status. Upper-class men walked around holding their arm out to women, hoping to charm at least one of the ladies milling about. Many of the men wore top hats and bow ties, along with long tailcoats in dark blues, greens, reds, and grays. A high energy flittered amongst the guests. All were delighted to celebrate Prince Siegfried's 21st birthday on this bright and glorious day. As the orchestra faded out its tune, Men in white wigs and beaming red coats with gold buttons entered the party with trumpets. Holding their instruments up and out, they played their fanfare as the garden's gates opened wide. The man of the hour had arrived. Prince Siegfried entered on horseback. He gave onlookers a royal wave. He leapt down from his steed and everyone applauded. Prince Siegfried was built tall and elegant. He had the poise and manner of a crane, full of noble stature, yet still graceful. Women blushed as he walked past them to the center of the garden. Now the party really could begin. The formerly sophisticated women were now pushing and shoving each other as they quickly assembled into a messy line. Each unwed woman was to be given a fair chance to dance with the prince, and none of them had the patience to wait until it was their turn. Wanting to get this over as soon as possible, the prince moved swiftly as he swayed with each maiden. Frolicking with potential suitors wasn't exactly how he was hoping to spend his 21st birthday. With a sad smile on her face, the queen stood watching her son dance. She was still grieving the loss of her husband, the king, who had passed just a short two months earlier. With the king's death, the crown was now to sit heavily on Prince Siegfried's head. He would ascend to the throne in exactly one month, by which time, and by royal rules, he must be married. The queen fidgeted nervously, praying that her son would find a girl that he liked and could make his wife. She grasped her necklace like a rosary in an attempt to try and steady herself. There was light and polite applause as the string quartet lowered its instruments after finishing a minuet. Prince Siegfried bowed, and the twirling girl with a wide grin and red cheeks opposite him curtsied. Taking a break from the festivities, the prince approached his mother. Hello, mother, he said as he bowed to the queen. Hello, my dear Siegfried. Are you enjoying your party? I don't know if this is exactly what I would call a party. It feels more like a glorified business arrangement. Oh, please, Siegfried, there are plenty of pretty ladies here. There must be at least one that you feel a connection with. She couldn't hide the worry in her tone. She took a deep breath and continued, I figured as much as for you to fuss. That's why I've arranged for there to be a ball tomorrow night. 
young maidens will come from all over, and you are to give them each a fair consideration. You do understand how important this is to the monarchy, don't you? Prince Siegfried remained quiet and still. Here, said the queen, breaking the long silence, I was going to wait until dinner to give this to you, but you look like you could use it now. The queen pulled out a tiny white box from one of the pockets of her dark maroon gown. The prince lifted the lid of the box with his delicate, olive-skinned hand. He was wonderstruck to see a golden compass sitting inside. The queen spoke softly. May it guide you to your destiny. Use it wisely, my son. Upon nightfall, all the prince's guests had left, some wobbling like toddlers from all the wine they consumed as they tried to find their carriages. Still others, blowing sloppy, lipstick-smudged kisses at the prince before departing through the gates, and only a few of the more polished girls curtsied, blushing as they met Prince Siegfried's weary gaze. Needing some time at last to himself, the prince decided to go out into the night with his compass to chase the North Star. From the time he was a boy, he would spend sleepless nights exploring his massive home, discovering all the secret entrances, and without a single worker noticing his comings and goings. With stealthy footsteps, he crept out of the palace, through the gates, and past the snoozing guards. He followed the compass out into the open field of tall grasses, and eventually into the dense forest. The night was silent. He couldn't hear anything except for the tapping sound of his covered sword hitting his boot. He trusted his compass to guide him. There was something about the North Star that seemed to be beckoning him lately, the way the moon does the waves. Siegfried liked to think that this calling could have been from his father reassuring him that love has no boundaries. At the edge of the forest, the young prince reached a lake. He stepped out onto the soft sand and found a small, flat boulder to lie down upon. Resting on his back, Prince Siegfried gazed up into the sparkly, star-filled sky. Suddenly, he heard splashing coming from the water. Lifting himself up ever so slowly, he noticed a single swan causing all that racket. It floated by, its wings outstretched. That's odd, Prince Siegfried thought to himself. That swan seems to be wearing a crown. Then, as the moon began to rise, it illuminated the water below. And just like magic, for surely it must be, the swan began to transform. Prince Siegfried stared wide-eyed. He couldn't believe what he was witnessing. He had to get closer. He leapt down from the boulder and neared the edge of the water. Like a bud blossoming into a flower, the creature had changed from its swan-like form into a beautiful young maiden with dark, rich skin like soil that nourishes the earth. She stood in the shallow water, 
in a silky white flowing gown. Her silver tiara sparkled with the moonlight, softly illuminating her shiny black hair. Just then, a dark figure dashed across the water toward the girl and loomed over her. It looked like he was taunting her, trying to intimidate her. Prince Siegfried could tell she was frightened. She moved with hesitation, seemingly unsure of what to do or say next. Prince Siegfried felt that he could not watch in silence. His heart pounding, he ran across the sand and pebbles and into the crisp water, ignoring the way it soaked his boots. He charged at the dark figure with his sword drawn. The swan girl stepped into his path. Please, no, please don't, she cried, waving her arms in the air as if to block the prince. The dark figure that had seemed like a man at first now squawked, swooped away, and flapped heavily off of the lake, far away from where the two stood. What, who, what was that? the prince asked of the maiden, as he tried to steady his breathing. His name is Baron von Rothbart. He is the evil sorcerer who cursed us all, making us swans by day, and allowing us only to change back to our human forms in the moonlight. Please don't hurt him. If he is slain, then the curse will never be broken. There was a sense of urgency in her voice. And how is the curse broken, asked the prince. It is lifted if someone of pure heart pledges a vow of love and marriage. Only then can the spell be lifted. There was a heavy silence between them. The only sound that could be heard was the soft movement of the water. The other girls are over there, she said, under the willow tree. They are my flock. We always stay together. There must have been about twenty girls, all huddled together against the bark of the weeping willow tree, all attired in the same white dresses as the girls standing beside Prince Siegfried, except that none of them wore a tiara like she did. And your name is? asked the prince, with a note of caring in his voice. I'm Odette, she replied. And you are? My name is Prince Siegfried. Oh, oh, I am most sorry, your highness, she apologized with a hint of panic in her voice. Excuse my lack of manners, and she quickly curtsied. <laughs> That's quite all right, he said with a chuckle. Please don't worry about it. I'm not strict with the rules. I noticed that you wear a crown as well. Yes, for I am the Swan Queen. I am the link between the lake and the land, she explained. I am like the thread that holds two pieces of fabric together. I am the moderator between Baron von Rothbart and the girls. Oh, so you're the middle link then. Exactly. <laughs> that must get difficult at times, he said sympathetically. It is, trying to keep both parties happy, and more than anything, I just want to go home. I miss my family. Odette lowered her head. But enough about me. What are you doing out and about by yourself? 
I thought princes had to abide by strict rules that dictate getting beauty sleep, she teased. We genuinely do, but I needed to get away. My mother is constantly hosting parties to set me up with maidens in the hopes that I will find my wife and get married as quickly as possible. But it's all so exhausting, Odette. I had to get out and clear my head. He paused, and then his eyes lit up as an idea occurred to him. Hey, there's a royal ball tomorrow night. Would you like to come? <sighs> I would love to, but unfortunately I am bound to the lake. Because of the spell, I cannot leave. I am forever tied to its waters until the curse is broken. The prince pondered her dilemma, and then he had another idea. Well, since I won't get the chance to dance with you tomorrow, may I have the honor of dancing with you tonight? He asked in a tone so sweet she could not resist. You may, Odette replied with a smile. She took his hand. Prince Siegfried was smitten as he held the hands of the swan queen. Like ballet dancers, they glided, intertwined in each other's arms. Their movements were smooth like the strings on a violin that reverberate in harmony with the rhythm of the bow. Odette and Prince Siegfried were completely enchanted with each other. As they tend to do when hearts spark and love begins to blossom, the hours flew by. The stars slowly began to disappear as the sky lightened. The early morning sun started to wash over the earth. This meant that Odette would soon take to her swan-like form again. You should probably go now. The palace workers would fear for their lives if they awoke to see you not in your bed, Odette said softly, trying to hide the real reason why he must go home. But please, after the ball is over, do come visit me and tell me all about it. Of course, he replied just as softly. He bent down and gently planted a kiss on her hand before turning to leave. Back at the castle, workers were busy running around from room to room, frantically preparing for the night's ball. They polished the marble floors till they gleamed dusted each crystal in the chandeliers till they sparkled, and lined the ballroom with colorful flower bouquets. Through huge walnut doors adorned with stained glass lilies, women from neighboring kingdoms poured in. They arrived dressed in attire even grander than what they had worn at the garden party. They wore saturated colors this time and bold makeup to accentuate their features. And no parasols or floppy hats either, for this was a much more formal event. Glorious trumpets sounded loudly. Everyone turned their attention towards Prince Siegfried, standing tall at the top of a marvelous gilded staircase. He descended and greeted his guests. Once again, he danced politely with every maiden who attended, but his spirit wasn't in it. He couldn't stop thinking about Odette. His heart sang for only her.
and he couldn't wait for the ball to be over so he could return to the lake and dance with his true love once again. Then, suddenly, trumpets started playing once more as the men in white wigs reappeared. Confusion swept across everyone's faces. The queen scurried over to her son. Do you know what's going on? She asked, alarmed. Why are the trumpets playing again? I have no idea, he answered, dumbfounded. The trumpets only played for those of the highest honor, gesturing to himself and his mother. Then, as refreshing and welcome as a vision of shimmering water in the midst of a desert, Odette appeared at the top of the red-carpeted staircase. Her long black hair was wound up in a bun on her head. The diamonds in her tiara glittered in the candlelight like a thousand stars. She was breathtaking in a black gown adorned with gold embroidery. The sleeves barely kissed her perfect shoulders. Escorting her down the steps was a tall man, dressed fully in black. He had dark hair, just like Odette, and slim shoulders, adorned by full black woven cord epaulets. Together, they descended the stairs and fairly glided across the ballroom to meet Prince Siegfried. Everyone was transfixed by the beauty of the exotic girl in the black gown. Guests whispered and fussed as she passed them. Who is she? Why did she get such a grand entrance? And who's that man with her? Prince Siegfried stood frozen. He couldn't believe he was seeing his sweet Odette, and so soon. First, the two guests bowed to the queen. Your royal highness, they said. Then they bowed to the prince. Prince Siegfried, this is my father, said Odette. At a glance, the prince could clearly see that Odette must have inherited her beauty from her mother, for her father's face was unpleasant, to say the least. He had sharp features and small, piercing eyes, and he uttered not a sound except to clear his throat. Prince Siegfried couldn't quite explain it, but there was something about this man's presence and visage that felt oddly familiar. However, he didn't bother to spend time, or not enough time as it turns out, dwelling on this thought. Astonished as he was by the mere fact that he was standing so close to Odette, after a wordless exchange of handshakes with her father, he turned to Odette and said in a hushed tone so that no one would hear them, What are you doing here? I thought you couldn't leave the lake. I was able to work my magic, she replied with a mischievous smile. Prince Siegfried took her by the hand, guiding her over to the center of the ballroom. The orchestra resumed playing. Together, they swayed in perfect unison as they danced, their two hearts melting into one. Guests exchanged knowing, and yes, some disappointed glances as they could feel the love radiating from Odette and the prince. The queen watched with a pleasant smile on her face and a feeling of relief in her soul. Her son had finally found the one. When the song ended, everyone clapped. 
Encouraged by the warm ovation, Prince Siegfried did not want to wait any longer. He got down on one knee. Odette, he announced, I love you, and I know that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? Yes, yes, I'll marry you, Odette exclaimed without a pause. The queen approached the two lovebirds and nodded her head in approval, the enormous dress she carried on her shoulders now beginning to melt away. Her grief and concern quickly replaced by thoughts of a wedding and her own grandchildren. She beckoned to a footsman who reached into his breast pocket and took out a small gold-rimmed blue velvet box. The queen presented her son with a family heirloom engagement ring, which the prince slipped onto his future bride's slim finger. At the very moment that the prince placed the stone-studded ring onto Odette's hand, there was the sound of a tremendously loud thunderclap. Dark gray billowing smoke started to fill the ballroom. All the candles flickered and went out. A chill blanketed the air. Through the dim light and thick smoke, a figure. Was it, could it be, the man that Odette had arrived with? Dashed to the top of the staircase. With each step he took, he seemed to transform right before the guest's eyes. His fingers now had razor claws, and his eyes were piercing like daggers. He was half bird, half man. And suddenly it dawned on the prince. That man hadn't been Odette's father at all. It was the evil sorcerer, Baron von Rothbart. Prince Siegfried quickly looked to his new fiance and was aghast to see that she, too, was transforming into a bird. The tiara disappeared, and her hair was replaced by a fan full of feathers. And then, as one shock followed another, it dawned on him. The prince had been played. He had not proposed to Odette. He had proposed to Odile, the black swan, the daughter of Baron von Rothbart. The evil sorcerer had used his dark magic to make his daughter look exactly like Odette, and Prince Siegfried played right into his hands. By proposing to Odile instead of Odette, the curse could never be broken. The prince's blood ran cold. He had to get to Odette. He crossed the ballroom floor to his mother's side, and after ensuring she was protected by guards, he kissed her cheek and burst through those huge walnut doors with stained glass lilies on them and disappeared into the dense forest. On and on he ran through the cool dusk air until the young prince arrived at the same lake where he had first met his Odette. Even with clouds dulling the moon, it was easy to see the way his eyebrows wove together in worry as he searched for his love. At last, he heard splashing, and then he saw her. She and her girls were dancing on the lake. With Odette in the lead, they moved with grace, completely in sync, like musicians in an orchestra, following the conductor. Odette, Odette! The young prince cried out, 
splashing into the water as he desperately tried to get her attention. Hearing his calls, she immediately broke from the dancers and hurried to his side. It was clear from his voice that something was terribly wrong. I'm sorry, Odette. I, I didn't know. Know what? They tricked me. Odile arrived at the ball. She was under some sort of spell, looking exactly like you. I pledged my love to her and asked her to marry me. Odette gasped. Tears sprang to her eyes. She didn't know what to say. I'm so sorry, Odette. I really had no idea that it was Odile and not you. It's, it's okay, Siegfried. We'll figure this out. She trailed off. And just then, as though summoned by the call of their names, Baron von Rothbart and Odile appeared swooping over the lake and approaching where Siegfried and Odette had been still in their sadness. As Odile's feet skimmed the water, yet more sorcery descended with her. She turned into human form again, her feet touching the bottom of the shallow lake. But strangely, this time, she looked nothing like Odette. Foolish girl, you think you'll find a way to make this better? The Baron hissed. Prince Siegfried already pledged his love to Odile and offered his hand in marriage. He has now promised his life to Odile, and the curse shall remain forever upon you. The bitterness in his voice was palpable as he let out an ugly, squawking laugh. With this, her heart breaking clearly in two, Odette shook with sobs. Prince Siegfried tried his best to console her, but he, too, felt the pain of desperation and hopelessness. They held each other, two broken creatures adrift in their sorrow. The lake resounded with the cries of their sadness. And then, as a soot-colored cloud drifted away from its face, Allowing the moon to become clear, a light shone on Odile's dark heart. She could no longer bear the anguish she was witnessing before her, anguish she and her evil father had caused. It was now as clear as the night skies above that these two were meant to be together, and she could not bear the thought of coming between them. Prince Siegfried, Odile announced with conviction in a calm and steady tone. I have had a change of heart. I do not love you. Therefore, I reject your proposal. She dared not look at her father, who exploded in anger. Odile, what are you doing? Baron von Rothbart shouted so loudly and with so much fury that his words echoed across the lake. Prince Siegfried and Odette were mute in their terror. Father, Odile said with a sternness and strength to the voice she had so recently found. Look at how distraught they are. They clearly love each other. They belong together. She turned away from her father's angry glare. Prince Siegfried and Odette the Swan Queen, I set you free. Baron von Rothbart seethed silently in confusion. How could his daughter betray him this way? As his wrath turned to sorrow, 
His shoulders slumped, and he realized he had lost his daughter for good. As his own hard heart began to break, his entire body transformed to stone. The stone then crumbled and sank beneath the water's surface. Now he would be trapped in the lake for all eternity. Thank you, Odile, gasped Odette through tears that now flowed freely in gratitude. You have no idea what you have done for not only Prince Siegfried and me, but for the rest of the girls as well. Oh, of course I know, Odile replied as she reached out to Odette to embrace her. It tore me apart to see you both so distraught. And yes, truly, you and the other girls deserve to be free. Odile turned to Prince Siegfried as if to say goodbye, and each gave the other a respectful nod of acceptance. For her magnanimous gesture had come with a high price indeed. Odile resigned herself to her eternal fate. By lifting the curse for Odette and the others, she had intentionally traded her freedom for theirs. Then, as the two girls held each other, there came a great golden light that descended from the night sky in a funnel cloud. The swirling brightness engulfed all of the swans, spinning them around and around, raising them up, up from the lake, until the cyclone of light diminished and gently placed them on the shore where Prince Siegfried had run in pursuit of his love. But what he saw when the light had dimmed astonished him, for there was not a swan to be seen except for one. Odile had been transformed back into a magnificent black swan with glistening feathers blanketing her body. With one last glance, and seemingly comforted by the knowledge that she had changed the fate for all the girls, including Odette, she flapped her massive ebony wings and ascended, disappearing into a glowing and promising sky. On shore, the couple embraced, turned their gaze from the small, dark swan shape on the horizon, and looked into each other's eyes. Odette, I love you more than anything in this world, and there's no one else I'd rather spend my life with. Will you marry me? He said, while bending down to one knee. Yes, replied the swan queen with all her heart. The curse had finally been broken. At long last, Odette returned to her kingdom and was reunited with her adoring parents, who had mourned but never given up hope that one day the curse would be broken and their daughter would return to them. Exuberant celebrations ensued as villagers rejoiced in the streets. As soon as plans could be made, Prince Siegfried and Odette were married by the same lake where they first met and presently were crowned king and queen. All was good in the end, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> well, of course they did. And with that, we bid you a good night. Now drift off and sweet dreams. <laughs>